0: Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnos, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. Hello. Survival can be a cruel master, and those who seek it at any price will question whether their struggle has left them with their true self exposed. My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and casserole, and you're listening to Cinema Limbo. Tonight's presentation is the period comic horror, Ravenous, released in 1999, starring Guy Pearce and Robert Carlyle, and directed by Antonia Bird. I'm joined by my good friend and medical colleague, Amy Parr Young, and we speak to you from her parlour on a summer evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I heard Seen Ravenous a number of times before. Had you heard of it before?
1: No, I'd never heard of it. Uh, had you heard of Antonia Bird, the director? No, I hadn't. I have since read a little bit
0: about her, but I hadn't heard of her before that, Now, Well, this movie's a bit of a um, an odd choice for her. Mm. Because, uh, funnily enough, she was recently the subject of a season at the the BFI on the South Bank, and also on BBC Four, and um, her work was very much more interested in social realism, stories about homelessness, about abuse in children's homes. She was one of the original directors on both EastEnders and Casualty, so very interested in contemporary British issues. And she'd done the Hollywood movie before, Mm. uh, a film called Mad Love, about two young teenagers in love, one of whom is mentally ill, but in a Hollywood way, so not really. Yeah, It's kind of <laughs> kooky. Uh, and then she does a movie about cannibals.
1: Yeah. A bit out of sorts, yes.
0: Well, she was drafted into it a bit. The, originally um, it was set up by another director, Manchevski, and it would have been his first American movie, but after two weeks of filming, basically Pissed everyone off. Oh. <laughs> he was, well he, well, he is a Serbian filmmaker, very highly acclaimed, but wasn't able to fit in with what was expected of him. Mm-hmm. And the cast didn't like him, they didn't think he was really up to snuff.
1: Yeah.
0: So Robert Carlyle, who'd worked with Antonio about a number of times, contacted him and said, Help. Oh, wow. we, need, we need a professional who knows how to do this sort of thing. And the result is what her creative partner, Mark Cousins, has said is her best film.
1: Okay. Questionable. I haven't seen many of her others, so, yeah.
0: I watched uh, one of her BBC films Yeah. Uh, called Care, which is about child abuse in um, children's homes, and it was tough
1: mm. material. It was tough
0: to watch. Mm. But it's so different.
1: Mm. <laughs> Well, this you know, it's it's partly comedic. This film, in in some ways, so yeah. a very different.
0: It's the only. Yeah. It's the only sort of comedy that she did. It's the only thing that doesn't have a contemporary British setting. Yeah. It's the only one that has sort of well, apart well, apart from um, Mad Love, but you know, that shouldn't really count because it was such a dilution <laughs> of what it was supposed to be. Whereas here they wound up just making up a load of stuff <laughs> to go along mm. with the script that they used.
1: Yeah. So did she have any? Did she do anything for the script, or was the script everything was ready and she just came in and
0: did it? There was a lot of reworking of scenes. There was a lot of improvising of scenes okay. that we can get to as we okay. as we talk. Okay. But the movie starts with a very ironic use of um, anthem music mm. with um, the sight of soldiers wolfing down barely cooked meat. Yeah soldiers being cut down in the field in Mm. mexico it looks absolutely i mean it's meat and meat at the same time
1: yeah it's a really gruesome start and also one of the things about antonia bird i did read is that she's a vegetarian yes and so again you can see it's sort sort of from a vegetarian perspective that would be gruesome all these horrible pieces of meat
0: they, look, they just look so horrible. horrible. Yeah,
1: yeah. Even as a meat eater, I agree. That yeah,
0: I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a meat eater too. I had a, a pulled pork sandwich on the way over here, <laughs> but, and I don't regret it.
1: No, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, that was a horrible scene, and uh, the flashbacks then do go back to that uh, moment when he's with those stacks of men. It does go back to that. The film yeah. throughout, doesn't it? And that continues to be a really horrible scene, one of the gorier ones, I thought.
0: Because he, he's awarded a medal for bravery at capturing a command post, despite having laid down the field and played dead, mm. because he's a coward. Yes. And the officers in charge of him know that he's a coward, but they can't really do anything. Yeah. So they just sent him off on a new posting to the middle of nowhere.
1: Which I think he sort of accepts, because he is ashamed by what he's done as well. Yeah. So he takes it, and he's even then he doesn't want that medal either, I would say.
0: Yeah, I suppose not. I mean, he he's a very quiet, passive character all mm. the way through, Boyd. Played by Guy Pearce, by the way. Yes. Um, I love Guy Pearce. What, what did you think of him in the movie?
1: Uh, I thought he was... Quite different other things I've seen him in. So obviously the big thing is LA Confidential that he was in that I think most people have seen as a very different character. Um, he is the not not a very good hero because you don't I didn't really like him as a character because he was this coward yeah. and he was as you say like really passive. Um, although he's got some morals in there because obviously but you know towards throughout the film things are happening which he doesn't agree with. But uh,
0: he doesn't have the courage to act on no, his he, exactly.
1: Yeah, he is—he's just a scary cat. Yeah, yeah.
0: And in the, I think the film is the story of his development.
1: Yeah. Even though he doesn't develop, he, he develops somewhat. But even towards the end, he continues with those same. It's only right at the end that he changes. I would say. Yeah.
0: But um, we, the opening titles come in. As a fact, before you, right at the start of the movie, we get these captions on the screen. Mm. These two quotes, and they look so obviously imposed mm. on the movie, and they were saying, "Oh, he who stares at the abyss has the abyss to stay back at him." Nietzsche, eat me, anonymous. Yeah. That's such a really terrible yeah, yeah, joke. Yeah. It's barely a joke. Mm. I
1: remember that. Yeah. Didn't think that was particularly. I mean, that's the thing, there were moments like that that you, th- th- I don't know if it was dated, I don't know if it was just.
0: It's both, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it wasn't funny at the time. I saw it not long after it came out. Mm. But yeah, that was a, a dictat that Bantenya didn't want to do. Right. Uh, and we have the titles whizzing across the screen as well. That was a deliberate choice. Oh. Because it was supposed to evoke spaghetti westerns. Right, yeah like um, Once Upon a Time in the West hmm. where the titles whiz across the screen but silently and then sort of dash down to the bottom as they disappear with the um, the, the the wonderful music of Boyd travelling to this outpost in yes. the mountains
1: Yeah. again the music was really it, really important in this film I'm not sure if it was necessarily what I would have chosen but it was very relevant to how it came across
0: it does create a very unusual atmosphere because it has yeah. that the grandeur of the surroundings it's incredibly beautiful countryside
1: mm.
0: it's actually in Slovakia um, rather than uh, California but it has that ironic edge to it and then later as the, the film becomes weirder yeah. the music becomes weirder
1: weirder and weirder yeah and it does it does have that from the beginning You you initially think oh you do notice the music it isn't something just in the background it is a very noticeable thing mm. throughout yeah
0: but um, Boyd arrives at his new camp
1: yeah what's it called again I think it's Spencer
0: Fort Spencer that's it yeah there. and um, it's it's basically just a bunch of shacks yeah surrounded by a with misfits yeah with terrible people and <laughs> I, it's not really stated but they've basically all been sent there because no one knows what to do with them mm we have Toffler, who is a religious fruitcake. Yes. Who is actually quite benign.
1: Mm. He's
0: really, really religious, but he doesn't really bother people with it. No, that's true, yeah. Um, we have Reich, who is that soldier, in inverted commas, who is a, clearly a lunatic. Yes. And is just introduced standing in a river, naked, screaming.
1: Yeah, crazy.
0: <laughs> um, what so else was he in? Uh, Neil McDonough. He was, well, I think I remember being <laughs> in this um, Star Trek First Contact. Okay. Um, he's been in quite a few things. He's because he's very striking looking, As the blonde hair and has very piercing yeah, eyes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Can't I use anyway, yeah.
0: Cleves. Yeah. Who is a proto pothead. Mm. He spends his time getting smashed with one of the two native help that they have. Yeah. George and his sister Martha.
1: Yeah, and that's um who's that play by Baldwin. David, oh, David no, Arquette. Arquette,
0: that's it, sorry. Yeah, uh, Major Knox. Yeah. Who was a vet? Yes. So he's, so he's the doctor. Who's he, a drunk? And he's a drunk. Yeah. And it's also implied that he um, fought for the South in the Civil War.
1: Uh, yeah. So that's why one of the reasons why he's probably been sent there.
0: Yeah. And the. I think, I think that's all of them. And there's, then there's the commanding officer. There's the
1: commanding officer. Yeah. And then obviously there's the native, the woman. I think. Is it? George and Martha. Yes.
0: Yeah. Martha is basically the one completely competent person working there. Exactly. Colonel Hart is... He's a likeable, jolly fellow. Yeah. But he's completely unsuited to authority.
1: Yeah. And he's quite happy when Boyd arrives because he's thinking, oh, a little bit more company. and
0: Yeah, so there's someone more on my level who I can yes. talk
1: to. Yeah.
0: And it's not stated in the film, but there was a bit of backstory in the script that Hart got sent there because he was having an affair with a senior officer's wife.
1: Oh, right, okay.
0: So again it's failures in his own character Yeah. and so the commander chats to him he's oh, trying to get to know you and he's, he has this drawer full of walnuts that he eats and, yeah. his, and his books that he likes to translate for a hobby and he asks what, what, oh boy, what do you like to do to, as a hobby swimming
1: yeah he's really not interested in, in making friends that's the thing when he arrives he's, he just comes he's just He's just yeah. in the
0: depths of his self hatred his and own, shame.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: But he's also too much of a coward to really do anything about it.
1: Mm. So he just plays along very, in a very lackluster manner. Very passively. Yeah, very yeah. passively. Yeah.
0: So they sit down to dinner, <laughs> Toffler starts to pray, and then they just all start out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Hart says, so did. Did anybody really do anything today?
1: Yeah, because <laughs> there's there's nothing there, nothing out there, and it is a desolate part of the world where they are that time anyway. Would have been, wouldn't
0: it? Yeah, apparently the, the mountains where they filmed it it's the smallest mountain range in the world. Oh, because it's just bit, it's like only like three mountains, but it's really really high. Yeah, and oh, perfect. The yeah, it's I mean the the, um, the location filming was done there, and also a bit in Mexico, mm. but the studio filming was done in Prague. Hmm. The same studio was later used for Casino Royale.
1: Oh, right.
0: So it's, it was real to top-level skilled craftsmanship. Yeah, 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 In a very cheap country.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: That's it. So do you think that you know, the introduction to all these characters, the way they're talked through, I think that's quite a, an efficient pressy of, of the characters in their situation.
1: Yeah, it was a really good way of getting to know very quickly everyone. And not generally why they were there, but that they weren't all, you know, normal people and and very well adjusted people. Um, and it was just the the tour simply going around the yeah. place, and uh, and that was it, the the snapshots of these people was very much like this is this kind of person, this is this kind of person. Yeah. The perfect one being for the guy in the river, as you say, screaming. <laughs> you immediately know this guy is crazy. Yeah. It was good.
0: Um, and as they're eating, Boyd starts having flashbacks. Mm. And I, I think does he does he tell the story of what happened to him? No, was I don't think he did. I
1: don't think he does. Um, um, uh,
0: no. He's his body was his body in Inverted commas was hauled behind enemy lines, piled up in a stack, yep. and the blood from the corpses.
1: Dribble, ran, ran, yeah. ran down his throat, mm. and he
0: could feel that there was something different. That mm. you know, something in him had changed. In, in the script, it was made much more explicit that right on top of him was his commanding officer whose head had been blown off. Right. And it was just the open wound of his neck right in oh his face. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> they could have got away with that, I think.
1: Mm, well, they did get away with a lot in this. They do
0: get away yeah. with a lot. In fact, supposedly they ran out of fake blood.
1: Oh, God. Well,
0: yeah. And um, they, as is, as is stand, the following day, Cleves and Martha set off to the nearest town for supplies. Um, that uh, randomly troubled production. It was a very troubled production. Um... Bird was always butting heads with the producers, right? And they were a lot of the time writing scenes on the fly. The climax of the movie was almost entirely improvised.
1: Gosh. Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not necessarily surprised, but you kind of, you know, you, it had to go a certain way with the movie. So,
0: but it, the, the exact the exact progression of events was yeah. sort of figured out in the day. Some of the best dialogue was. Figured out, figured out sort of on the take or right. just, just as they were talking about it and I think it adds a a weird tone to it because it's so different from everything else she'd done mm. something else that uh, the BBC screen as part of the season was uh, an episode of EastEnders she did which was just a two-hander of Den and Angie arguing and I thought this could be less like ravenous because this is only half an hour long and I'm really bored and it's not interesting. <laughs> or... No, but it,
1: it's a totally different genre, isn't it? Yeah. Totally different, and, and this was a lot more quick-paced, and you didn't have that much dialogue for that long between anyone, I thought.
0: No, it's, it, it's very visual, the way the story's told. Yeah. And it's much more so than I think anything else she's done. Mm. Boyd and Hart <laughs> steal some of Major Knox's booze. It's a figure uh, out, oh, yeah, he's, he's he's gonna be passed up. Yeah, by he now, won't let's notice. Help, let's now. Help
1: yeah. Again, that was mainly the uh, the generals uh, doing there, I think, than yeah. Boyd. He's
0: he's just used to it, yeah it's yeah, it's eight o'clock, he's gonna be he's gonna be flat out by now. Mm. And he does say, yeah, we, we both try and escape the world and then we arrive at Fort Spencer and we try and escape here as well.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because effectively they're, what they're really trying to escape is themselves. Yes. That there's probably a reason why Toffler is so uh, devoutly religious to such an odd degree. There's probably a reason why Reich is so obsessive.
1: Yeah, and why the vet is constantly getting drunk. and all, They're all ways of escaping.
0: Well, he's probably sad he's not allowed to own slaves anymore.
1: Well, possibly, and, you know, take, give birth to cows or something. Yeah. But, yes, they're all trying to escape their, in their own way. Definitely.
0: Mm. And at that point, they see a face at the window, mm. and it's Robert Carlyle, and he looks terrible. He looks like Jesus.
1: He does look terrible, but then again, he's very good at looking terrible in those type of films.
0: Yeah, it's rare to see him in a film where he looks healthy.
1: He does it in this film at some points.
0: He does, yeah, towards um, later towards the end, where he's in his all in his finery, in his mustache. He looks very different. I was thinking about this and thinking, well, he was in, in TV at the time. He was in Hamish Macbeth. It mm. was a proper Sunday evening, gentle programme for your mum and dad to watch. And that was a nice programme. Mm. And was, there was the full Monty.
1: Yeah.
0: Where he plays a nice, decent guy. And everything else, he's playing a lunatic or a murderer. He was in Cracker as a, a psychotic football fan. He's in this, a Cannibal. He 28 was,
1: weeks later, he was in as well, wasn't
0: it? Well, that was a few years later, but mm. he's. Yeah, he's a coward in that, actually, isn't
1: he? Yeah, he is. He runs from the house with his wife in it. Yeah. Where she's attacked.
0: That's kind of a, a nice parallel to this, in fact, because he, he runs away from cannibals as an act of cowardice, and that ends up literally yeah. biting him in the bottom. <laughs> um, oh, yes, and he was a bomb villain.
1: In which bonds? Oh,
0: the World Is Not Enough. Came out the same year as Ravenous, actually. Oh,
1: right. So it was a good year for
0: him. Yeah. Mm. Paid the mortgage off.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, he's very good in um, The World's Not Enough. He's um, a, a, an assassin of indeterminate nationality. Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to be French, but then they forgot to tell him, so he's doing a weird foreign accent. Mm-hmm. But he's been shot in the head, and the bullet is slowly working its way through his brain, so he's losing his senses one by one.
1: That's a pretty good
0: idea. Uh, and the first thing he lost was his sense of pain.
1: Oh, that's lucky.
0: So he's can, he has this great sense of endurance, but he can't, has no sense of touch. Yeah. So with the fact that um, this, this, this character looks like Jesus, and he's also spent quite a bit of time out in the wilderness. Yes. There are, I think, quite a few parallels that I think were added in to a kind of a twisted form of Christianity.
1: I didn't see that at all personally but go on
0: Um, well there's a mention later that um, when they talk about the cannibal legend and they say does this this still happen they ask George and George says well white man eats the flesh of Jesus every Sunday
1: oh yes yeah you're right
0: and uh, Ives talks about gaining followers Mm. almost starting it up as a a kind of religion with himself with his head and eventually even at the end painting a cross on his forehead that's true he does seem to be setting himself up as a cannibal christ oh. which is a great name for that
1: <laughs> yeah no I haven't seen that but I, the, definitely there are those points towards the end I hadn't really picked up on it though no. well that's what I'm here I, need, I yeah. know well thanks
0: well he tells the, uh, the story of what happened to him, and he gives his name as Colhoun, and I found that to be particularly funny because of the two movies I have on DVD that are about cannibals that aren't zombies. They both feature a character called Colhoun.
1: Oh, is that just a coincidence? I think
0: it's a coincidence.
1: Okay.
0: Um, the other is Deathline, which is a British film from 1972 about um, people going missing at Russell Square Tube Station late at night. Oh. And it turns out they're being abducted by the last survivor of the descendants of the survivors of a cave-in when the tube was being dug 100 years earlier. Scary. Yeah. And the, the detective investigating disappearances, played by Donald Pleasance in the performance of his career, is called Colquhoun.
1: Mm.
0: And that's a great movie.
1: Well, it could have been. I mean, it could have been a link, it could couldn't
0: it? It could have been. I mean, the movie did come out in the US. Um, maybe it's just a little uh, homage.
1: Possibly, yeah.
0: But it's a, it's a good, interesting name, Calhoun, because it has a Scottish connection as well. Yeah. But he tells the story of what happened to him. And we see it in flashback as he narrates it, that he was part of a wagon train travelling to California, um, They tried taking a new route over the Sierra Nevadas, but they got snowed in. Yes. And I think the inference is that their guide, Colonel Ives, deliberately stranded them.
1: Yeah, I think that he... Yeah, he did. That's what he says anyway.
0: They were trapped in a cave waiting for the storm to pass, and it didn't. So they ate all the animals, they ate their belts, they ate their boots, their shoes their clothes uh, boiled the shoelaces like spaghetti and Mm. made them with a fork started there whenever they look at each other they just see like a giant leg of lamb
1: yes it's kind of (laughs) Homer Simpson-esque really
0: and one day Colton was out collecting firewood and when he got back he found out that the servant of one of them had died and they'd already cut off his legs and were cooking him yeah and when he came into the cave and he smelt cooking meat he thanked God. Again? Yeah. Christian, he,
1: Christian point? Well, he
0: portrays... Colpin portrays himself as a, as a Christian man, that he was a, a preacher of some sort, hmm. uh, presumably travelling west to spread the good news. But... Um, so, and, and after that, things got out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, the uh, husband of a couple was killed... And then the employer of the servant. Until there was just until there was just the three. Until there was just the three. There was the woman, Ives, Ives and Colhoun. And
1: Colhoun. Yes.
0: And then Colhoun has admitted that he was he did something very cowardly, and the camera cuts to Boyd.
1: Oh gosh, yes. Yeah.
0: So that he he ran away.
1: Yeah. And leaves the woman there.
0: And leaves the woman there, which is
1: a very big point for the rest of the company listening.
0: Yeah. And the music all the, all the way through, as he's telling the story, builds very, very slowly. It has this weird, repetitive tone to it. Um, the music is actually by... Ma- Damon Albarn, Damon Albarn and Michael Nyman mm. working together. And in fact, not only do they have the same birthday as each other, they have the same birthday as me. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. But it's, it's, such, a, it's such a weird... Because it's this weird, repetitive... Dan, 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 dan. And just it just goes over and over, and, over. And, it's and it
1: also becomes also there's parts of yodeling as well. There's it it threw out anyway, but the rest yeah. of the time. Maybe not necessarily this bit, but it was confusing music.
0: But Hart says, Right, well we've got, to, we've got to do what we're supposed to do, we have to go and rescue her because that's that's our job. Yes. So he's very decisive about that. But George warns him of the Wendigo, because as they were telling the story, they said that after they had eaten the human flesh, they felt different. They felt energized in a yeah. way. And the story of the Wendigo, this myth of, of Native American mythology, that if you eat the flesh of another person, you can steal their strength and their spirit. Yes. But it only makes your hunger much more powerful.
1: And I think this is a point where he's showing him a little, like a.
0: He's got this, yeah, this kind of. Uh, Drawing on a a piece drawing of
1: on a yes, exactly. Like uh, yeah.
0: And um, Hart is clearly thinking this is nonsense. George, they don't still do this today as well. You know, white man still eats Jesus. Yeah. But um, they set off.
1: But he insists, and they all yeah, they're pretty much all set off, don't they?
0: They leave Knox behind. Yeah. Um, because he's waiting for Cleves and Martha to get back. to come
1: back. Yeah.
0: Um, and Colhoun insists on going with them and to act as a guide, even though he you know, the previous day he was close to death. And then we have the you know, the beautiful story of their journey to the cave. You know, up through the very high mountains, mm. great snowfield, it looks absolutely spectacular.
1: And their getup is quite good as well. They've got some quite cool goggles on, and yeah, it all looks very sort of period authentic. It, it looks good, yeah, at that time. It's really, it's a really beautiful and nice about like, five ten minutes or so of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, Boyd. Sees something of himself in Colhoun, perhaps not surprisingly.
1: And he's slightly scared of getting too close to him as well. Yeah. For that, I think.
0: Because Colhoun is weirdly intense. Yes. Um, because, because he's a, a blundering clot, Toffler manages to fall over a cliff. Yes. <laughs> and is, is rescued by Reich, and he's not seriously hurt. But he's but it's bleeding. But he's, he's, he's wounded and he's yeah. bleeding. And then they're like camped that night, because it takes them a few days to get to the, uh, the cave. They wake up and Colquhoun is licking, licking his him. wound.
1: I know, that was a really weird moment of the film. Very odd. And, and unexpected, to be honest. I was shocked at that time. And this is the thing, that is that these moments that you think, is this supposed to be funny? Or is it, you know, I don't, is it? I guess too. I don't...
0: I don't think so. I think it's meant to be unpleasant. OK. Because there are the bits that are... The funny bits, I think, are clearly jokes. Yeah. Or they're bits of are the, witty dialogue. Mm. Or they're... Um, where, because characters become so energised and so full of new strength, the violence that they inflict on each other turns into a cartoon, so they can mm. repeatedly bash each other in the face... And just stay standing like it's yeah yeah yeah. So something like this, where it's you, know, you wake up in the night and someone is licking a wound on your leg.
1: And it's that's disgusting. Ju-
0: that's horrible.
1: It was horrible.
0: Colhoun claims that he was that he was he, dreaming. Yeah, the excuse. I know. But, he, but he, he he insists that someone tie him up
1: mm. because
0: he's wor- he says he's worried about what he might do. So they, and at this
1: point you're thinking "Oh, a bit weird now should we uh, you know, and I would I would have tied him up absolutely mm. but then you'd start to think should we go on or should but we they, go
0: but they have a they have a duty to as, as soldiers mm. and if only to investigate what's actually happened mm. even if they even if they find out that it's too late and they finally reach the cave Snowfield has, has cleared and Colquhoun is now going crazy He's...
1: Like a dog?
0: Yeah, he's like a wild dog. Mm. Um, and all of this is Robert Carlyle improvising.
1: Okay. All of it. It was very weird, again. I, I like Robert Carlyle in the second part of the movie more than I like this first part. Because well, I just didn't get this part very well. I don't... I... Yeah.
0: Well, we'll get into that in a moment. They call into the cave and there's no response, so Boyd and Reich...
1: They're the on. ones that
0: are sent in. Yeah, neither of them really want to no, go. No Boyd's one really particularly wants to go inside. No. But Reich is, has no sense of fear or self-preservation. Boyd is supposed to be an officer. Mm. <laughs> so they go inside and they start to look around and they have to go right to the back of the cave and they find a hole. Yes. And the thinking there apparently was, it's like in a horror movie where you're in the haunted house and you have to go into the cellar.
1: mm well, it was pretty horrible going down that little ladder. I wouldn't have gone.
0: <laughs> so, so, Reich it gets, goes down there. And just to show off how inadept Boyd is at soldiering, he's pointing his rifle straight in Reich's face. Mm. <laughs> so, can, can you know, because Reich has absolutely no time for Boyd. No. He clearly Does not him.
1: respect him at all, yeah.
0: No, I mean, Boyd is, he's not a major because Knox is a major and he's, second in command, he's 31 so he must be a lieutenant so Reich is at least three or four ranks below Boyd Mm. and yet he is constantly insubordinate to him yeah in a way that
1: but then Boyd doesn't care because he's so he's got such lacking self-confidence
0: but that could be a reason why Reich was sent out there because he would just start ordering around his own officers.
1: yes true
0: but they look inside they find what they think is the skull of, oh no the skull of Mr. McCready mm. and then they check and they count what hang on One, two, they three. count them
1: yeah
0: there's five bodies in here there's only supposed to be four there should only be three and they realise that
1: everything's gone wrong everything's
0: gone wrong because Cole Hewn is in fact Colonel Ives indeed and as outside the cave He's, uh, he's started scratching at the ground. Yeah. Um, and they're coming kind of out kind of the cave and they're running out to the cave. They're screaming, kill him! Kill him!
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, and they've got, and who's holding him? Is it Toffler holding him? Yes. He's, being, he's still um, bound. He still, he? he still has
0: his wrists bound. But Colquhoun pulls up out of the ground, what he has out of the ground, and it's a knife. He stabs Hart. He swings around Hart's gun and shoots George in the, ch- the stomach. Mm. Toffler is rigid with fear and he just wipes... I think he wipes the knife.
1: And just, and, and just watches
0: Toffler. No. Run! <laughs> and then the music turns into like Smokey and the Bandit crazy yes. fiddle music.
1: Crazy music.
0: And this is the point, I think, because you were saying just now, the, the, the switch between the two characters effectively played by Robert Carlyle the way he talks about it on the commentary on the DVD, he sees it as having a split personality. And that moment is the, the changeover, and he beca- literally is becoming another person.
1: And this one I find more, much more believable. Really? Yes. I found him much better at this second person than I did for the first part. Because from the first part, I never trusted him. And I, and I did think he was... There was you know, he, he just wasn't... He was too pathetic...
0: There was something about him that made you uneasy that wasn't being said. Yes. Yeah. Whereas with Ives, you know exactly what he is. Mm. He's not actually concealing anything about his nature. He's he's a, he's a murderer and a cannibal. Yes. And he's proud of it.
1: Yeah, that's what he is, and that's he will tell them it.
0: Mm. So yeah, a, and the, the the tone of the film shifts as well. I think it shifts more towards a black comedy. Yeah. The the amount of humour in the second half increases because Colhoun is such a, a a cowed figure by what by his ordeal, but Ives is very light and witty in his own way. He does get some really great dialogue. Mm and it's the, uh, and the, the music going yes. as Toffler's running for his life yeah it's the, crazy there was, there was one bit where they were filming where Robert Collard actually managed to catch up to Jeremy Jeremy do and p- poked him in the bum with his knife <laughs> <laughs> but they left it out because they thought it was too silly
1: yeah but it's, it's kind of it reminds me of the thrill of the hunt that's why like, he let him yeah. go because he wanted to catch him Yeah. yeah because um, he could have easily killed him
0: it's, as Oscar Wilde once said, the unspeakable in pursuit of the inedible.
1: <laughs> well, edible, though, in this case.
0: Well, yeah, but you shouldn't eat people.
1: No, but he did.
0: <laughs> well, don't. Well. This isn't even the first cannibal movie we've had on cinema limbo. It's the, it's the wicker tree, which, you know, um, topical because Robin Hardy, the director of the wicker tree, died over the weekend. This is giving yeah. away when we're recording this listener. Um, the director of The Wicker Man and the writer-director of The Wicker Tree based on his book. He'd hoped to do a third film, which obviously now won't be made and wouldn't have been anyway because it was a terrible idea. (laughs) But that includes ridiculous cannibalism as well. Mm. And and then also about the thrill of the hunt and fox hunting. Boyd and Reich follow and Reich is now ordering Boyd around. Yeah. And (laughs) does he threaten to kill him?
1: can't quite remember but he does he does take over and he doesn't want him near him either like,
0: no he doesn't trust him at all no and it, you can't blame him really because Boyd
1: he's he, a liability I wouldn't, he is a liability I wouldn't trust him to take care of my life no and it ends up in this scene where they're on this cliff
0: well they they do actually ca- they, ca- they follow the trail and they catch up and they find that Toffler is dead yes that he's, he's had his guts ripped open um and the music becomes a lot more serious and then they find as you say they find the match at the outcrop
1: and in the end Wright goes down goes over the cliff and is gone and we're left in a situation where they're both looking at each other and again it's this sort of hunting moment where he's there with the knife and Boyd's thinking what am I going to do
0: and Boyd jumps jumps off the cliff
1: yeah which I thought was very silly personally
0: do you think he should have held his ground yes. and tried to fight him? Yeah, I think he was just too scared.
1: Yeah, I know. As a character, he—that's what he would have done. But he, yeah, he was lucky. He's lucky to survive this next bit. Really,
0: mm. Boyd thinks he's jumped to his death, but he—he man- he hits trees, it slows his fall. He manages to hit the ground. He rolls. He manages. To, he collides with Reich. Yeah, and the two of them together fall down a pit. Yes.
1: Which is quite, again, quite a scary moment. A bit haunted housey, is letter when Wright turns up falling through yeah, on he, top of him. And he
0: ends up dangling upside down. Exactly. And then, after a moment, comes back to life and starts to strangle Boyd.
1: Yeah.
0: This is all your bloody fault, you yeah.
1: bastard. <laughs> but then dies.
0: But then he, d- he does die. He's already been seriously injured. Mm. And Boyd, too, has been very badly hurt. Mm. He's got no fracture in his leg. And then he hears Ives walking past and he's just he's sniffing the air. Mm. And on the, the DVD actually has talk about the commentary it has three commentaries. Um and they, they speculate over whether or not Ives knows Boyd is down the pit. Do you think he does? Do you think he's just leaving him there to
1: no, I don't think smell. he does. I think the whole uh, part of the issue... You've got the other dead guy next to him. So I think that was supposed to be the reason why you can't really find him, because he's got the smell of this other person there. That's what I took his as.
0: Maybe he can distinguish the smells of the two
1: Maybe. I'm not sure how, uh, how good Wendigo... Windigo 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 smells are.
0: Well they're supposed to be like wolves from what I remember so they would have a dog sense of smell Mm. so they'd probably be pretty good
1: so you either assume that he doesn't know he's there or you you assume he does know he's there and you let him stew because you know that he's going to have to either come out,
0: he's going to have to eat right,
1: or eat right, yeah to get out, yes, or die
0: yeah Well, that's, as he says later, eat or die. It's a simple choice. Mm. And uh, Boyd is in there for a while.
1: He is, yeah. He takes the coat off Reich as well. He's, you know, he's trying to stay warm. And it is an act of desperation at the end when he does...
0: He does start cutting strips off Rike's body. him. Yeah. And... At the same time, he also meant he, he fixes his leg by just pushing the bone back in and there's like mm. a horrible squishing noise. Mm. But I've heard the uh, theory in the past that we're, that we're only ever three meals from savagery. Right, OK. That it only takes a, a very short space of time for society to, to collapse before we start.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the whole the, the biggest example is the one with the airplane crash in South America. Yes, and that you know in in realistic terms, about that's the only thing you can really base what might happen, I suppose.
0: Yes. but in regular circumstances mm-hmm. as live, living as we both do in a major city, if supply lines were to be cut for whatever reason, do you think it would be that quick?
1: No. No, I don't think it would
0: either. I think it would... No. I'd I'd like to think that it wouldn't. Yeah, I I, I definitely
1: think that uh, it would take quite a few meals before that would happen. Hmm. You'd rather eat a cat first.
0: I know some really awful cats. Well, exactly, yeah. um, There was an episode of Black Mirror a few years ago. Do you watch Black Mirror?
1: I watched a few of them. I didn't watch all of them.
0: There was one about um, a... Uh, sort of satirical political cartoon character that mm-hmm. runs for office and is co-opted by the establishment as a, a hilarious figure that people will get behind. Yeah, a bit like Boris Johnson. Yes. <laughs> um, and it ends with this uh, this character being elected in effect, and then becoming the mascot for a new uh, uh, totalitarian Britain. Great and there's a scene during the end credits of the character's creator walking through the streets of this new totalitarian Britain and it's, there's, there's this figure looking down at me from every billboard and I thought, i reading people online saying you know, he doesn't look any different, this, this guy he looks exactly the same as he did before how much time can have elapsed? and I thought, well, knowing the UK and knowing how quickly we'll fall for this kind of nonsense it's probably about a week
1: <laughs> could well be now we uh, we do know more about that now, don't yeah, we?
0: Yeah, uh, but on recent experience, it yeah. takes absolutely no time no at all. time
1: <laughs> for populists or propaganda to get through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not the first time we've got into politics on this show. so no. I wouldn't worry about that too much. <laughs> but as Boyd is suffering in his hole in the ground, we cut back to Colquhoun, who's sitting by the river... Having a little picnic.
1: Yeah. Again, comedic moment. This
0: yeah. Is, yeah. He's enjoying the scenery and the surroundings, and he seems quite happy as he's tucking into what's left of Toffler. Yeah. <laughs> but Boyd's hunger finally overwhelms him, and he does start to eat rye and then yes. it just fades across to him climbing out of the pit. Yeah. And the music from the beginning of the movie starts up again as he makes a second journey mm. back to the fort. And he finally arrives back. As I think the general's party is already there, or are they nearly there?
1: I think they're nearly there. They're not there yet because Ives hasn't come yet. Hasn't arrived yet.
0: No, that's true.
1: He is told that they will be arrived. Some a, a new general will be coming.
0: Yes, a, a new commanding officer. And this boy tries to explain what happened. You know, this this there was this man, and and everyone got everyone went out, and they got killed. Everyone went out and they all got killed, but there's no evidence. Uh, Knox can't really remember very much about the guy's face. Well, it's because you were drunk. (laughs) I I certainly wasn't drunk. That's a slanderous thing to say, he says, putting away his six bottles of whiskey.
1: (laughs) And no one knows him well enough, Boyd well enough, to trust his word anyway.
0: Exactly. And the only one who does really know him is General Slosser.
1: Yes, who hates him. Who
0: hates him anyway. Yes. And he does some say, some gently, "No, you know, if you were to change your story, mm. we wouldn't take it as you lying, we just see it as clarifying a hazy memory. Mm. So if you want to change it... And go, we, ahead. And we, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. because we can just sort this out and it'll go away. Yeah. Because I don't want to have to deal with this.
1: Yeah. Which is what you'd probably do.
0: Yeah, he's quite reasonable under the circumstances. Yeah. I mean,
1: it does sound like a madman story.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the inference I think that they're making is that they got they, they got stuck in the mountains and Boyd ran away, which oh. is exactly what happened At the to the st- wagon train. Yeah, party. exactly. Yeah. But the new commanding officer arrives, and it's Colonel Ives, mm. and he's looking very smart.
1: Yeah, very clean shaven, very clean generally, well, clean,
0: and with his very natty little moustache. Yeah, yeah.
1: And Boyd is looking more and more haggard as well. He's Boy, looking terrible.
0: Boyd never, I don't think ever in the film, looks remotely presentable. No. I mean, he's, he's been living in a hole in the ground and eating one of his former comrades, so he's not going to be in the best of um, spruceness. No. But uh, yeah, he, he says, no, that's, that's him, that's him. That's,
1: uh, he's cowering on the floor. Yeah. yeah.
0: And um, he tries to um, prove it by getting Ives to show his shoulder, because he managed, they managed to shoot Ives in the shoulder.
1: Before he jumped off the cliff. Before he
0: jumped off the cliff. But it, it knocked him down, but he just immediately got back up again. And I think when he sits back up, it's a nod to horror movies where the monster, you think, you think the creature's dead, but then he gets back up again.
1: Yeah, slightly vampire-y.
0: Yes, it's very much like um, uh, Nosferatu. Yes. He manages to sort of stand up from his heels, <laughs> pivoting upwards. Yeah. Um. But he has he has no wound in either shoulder.
1: No, and it's quite a, a big deal to get slightly undressed in front of these people. But he, you know. Yes. He uh, he says no. It's not a problem. I'll, I'll I'll do that for you. And of course, comes across as the very normal, obliging. Yeah. New commander.
0: And there's a, there's a little sneaky joke where um, he says, well, you know, I had my uh, medical recently, which I hope uh, uh, Lieutenant Boyd isn't going to expect me to cough. Yes. Because of a little yeah. uh, sneaky joke there. Which <laughs> I think the relationship between boys and knives is... It's interesting.
1: Would Are you saying slightly gay?
0: well I'd say homoerotic more than gay I mean it's not so much because there is a there is a kind of attraction there because of their shared experience Mm. and they are drawn to each other because of that but is it because of that or is it something more like because because they're living out there in the middle of nowhere in the absence of of women Mm. because Martha is from the hints we get of Martha, she would not put up with any of that kind of nonsense. No.
1: No, <laughs> absolutely not. She's
0: actually very a sensible, organising influence on the others. The,
1: the homoerotic element also continues towards the end of the film oh, as well. Absolutely. So I suppose, yeah, you could say that. You could pick up on a few hints of it, but I don't think it's. I don't know. I don't it's, know if that's. It's
0: it. not trailed on in any way. No, it's not left, at all. It's left subtle. Mm. And it's. Certain, I mean, it's not essential to the story. I mean, no, you, you need to keep The idea that there's that attraction because of them both being uh, people eaters, but you don't, don't really need to do anything more than that. I think that just adds an extra layer to it mm. that, you can, that you can pick at. <laughs> I'm, like turning his head cough. But while Boyd is on guard, expecting lives um, yeah. to do something, yeah, and he's watching. Cleves chopping wood, and he imagines going out and picking up the hatchet and just starting to chop up Cleves and eating him.
1: Yes, and you don't know at the bit when that starts happening. You're thinking, "Oh my god, oh, what's happened?" It.
0: And then and then Cleves starts laughing hysterically. Yes, and, and it's it's a fantasy. yeah but it's again, it's really weird. Creed. It's weird as people do that. and it's and as it's shot and edited so that you can't tell that it's not yep. actually happening. And then, that evening they have their social evening. And um, Knox is playing chess. He's playing chess with Toffler? No, he's not. Toffler's no, dead. No, Toffler's dead. So he'd be playing with Cleves, yeah. presumably. And Knox cheats at chess. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there is an argument that Knox is the worst character in the movie. He doesn't even have the excuse of being a monstrous cannibal creature. He's just a dick.
1: Yes, absolutely. He is a horrible one, and and he doesn't care about anyone but himself. That's his primary. Thing no, he's
0: uh, he's terrible at his. Well, actually, we never see him treating anybody.
1: Well, he treats Boyd, but he basically he, he doesn't. Does the,
0: he? he does the bare minimum.
1: Bare minimum. Yeah, when he first comes back, but yeah, he doesn't do very much.
0: But um, Boyd is. Very much on a knife edge. Mm. And um, <laughs> he doesn't he sort of slightly nod off asleep? And then he jokes away and kicks over a table. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's joined outside by Ives, and they talk, and Ives sort of drops the pretenses. Yeah. Well, you know, you know I bet uh, Reich was pretty tough, but then, you know, soldiers should be. Yeah. I can imagine that's a Robert Carlyle ad lib.
1: Do you think? Well, this is, this is when I think Robert Carlyle comes in, into his own in this section. I thought it was, he was really good in this bit. Because there's. I just. Yeah, he's really good.
0: He's seductive in a way, perhaps. Like a cult leader.
1: Yeah. Well, he's very articulate.
0: Yeah.
1: He's, he's uh, very confident throughout this section. Uh, yeah. As you say, someone that you could follow, definitely.
0: Yes. Someone who would make me follow him perhaps. Yeah. I think, I think I'd see through any of this. kind. Yes, of, I'm sure you would. Generally. Yeah, yeah. He tells a bit of his... Um, the, the, the truth of what happened to him. That when he was living in the east of the country he had tuberculosis and depression and was basically at death's door.
1: Yeah, and feeling suicidal also.
0: Yeah. And had black thoughts. Mm. But he heard the Wendigo legend... From a native scout, and he thought it was worth a go, so he ate the scout. <laughs> and subsequently, he felt a lot better. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> The black thoughts were not there anymore. It, it, the, the psychological part of it was quite interesting because it wasn't just physical
0: it was, health. It was physical and mental health that it cured. Yeah. So he now feels, as I say, he feels confident as well. I can yeah. imagine that helped that feeling of power and control. Um, and uh, he, it's, he says that he ate five men, as well as Mr. McCready. But they, that there, there were there five bodies, including Mrs. McCready. And he mentions that uh, so he felt virile. I thought, oh, that's quite creepy. Yeah. That's the inference. The inference that and, and boy says that's disgusting.
1: Yes. Yeah, that was a weird section again. This is the thing. This film just takes lots of different angles, yeah. and you keep getting shocked by different points
0: throughout it. It 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 never lets you. It deliberately never lets you settle. Yeah. It wrong foots you, and it finds new ways for the story to go that feel original and unexpected, mm. as a good film should. It, it, if you can guess what's going to happen. Then, then what's the point? Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be dis- that distracted at that level because it means the film isn't engaging you properly. And it shouldn't be that predictable. Yeah. Like Avatar, where I managed to guess the last shot of Avatar an hour earlier. Yeah. Because it was just rubbish. And actually, to my shame, the same with Inception. Really? I guessed the ending of Inception.
1: Ah, uh, I didn't. I liked Inception.
0: It's a very, very well directed movie, but I found the script very derivative. Oh, okay. Philip K. Dick has done the same s- story basically over and over again. There's that kind of layers of oh. reality and dream. But the direction section is amazing. Christopher Nolan mm. is very very talented. But Eyes um, asks sort of asks Boyd why he I think he asks him why he wouldn't succumb, and Boyd says, "Well, because it's wrong. Our oh, morality, the last bastion of a coward."
1: Again, punching him in the
0: the, low point again,
1: in the heart there again, about his cowardice, which he's already very aware of. Well, it's it's,
0: I think that's that's, the way that cult leaders can ensnare themselves in people by attacking their weak points and offering a solution. Mm. So he responds by cutting open his hand and just holding it in his face. You can can, can smell the book, can't you? It's nice, isn't it? But maybe not! Mm. And uh, so Nox just attacks him. No, uh, sorry, Boyd Boyd, attacks him. And Knox puts him under arrest. And then they realise, hang on, where's Cleves? And the answer is Cleves is dead. Yes. He's on a roof. Above, yeah, dripping. Dripping down. And all the horses have been killed as well. Yes. And the only solution to this is that Martha has to go into town to get the general.
1: Good move, Martha. I'd go too.
0: <laughs> they, go into, they go into Martha's little hut and they say, well, someone has to go into town, Martha, and we need volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very sort of annoyed and tired of this nonsense and puts up her hand. Yeah. Oh, th- thanks a lot, Martha. That's a great help. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she did the right thing, though. Best thing for her is to leave.
0: Yeah, and uh, so when the general gets back, they're going to transfer Boyd to jail because he is. They obviously, pit, they, like the they, reason he's why. obviously the reason why Cleves is dead.
1: Yeah, why the all the other group must be dead in the mountains.
0: Yeah. So as all that's going on, I start cooking, and Knox notices that one of his swords is missing, one of his prized swords. Yeah. But he offers us if he can help with the cookery. And uh, I have just, no, 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 so, that's OK, I've got everything in hand. But um, maybe later you could contribute. Yes. <laughs> Again, the comedic lines continue. Yeah, it's just the, the wit yeah. that comes out. Boyd is ranting and raving. Mm. And he, he doesn't understand how Ives could have done it. He knows that Ives couldn't have killed Cleves because he was watching him the whole time and he was never out of his sight for long enough.
1: Mm. And he does try and warn Knox about what's going on, and yeah. Knox just
0: closes Nox, the door on doesn't. him. Yeah, shut up. Shut I'm up. Not interested. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And, and yeah, he calls out to Just you know, stay, stay where I can see you. Yeah. I don't want to know that you're not being killed. Yeah. So even even though Knox is an awful person,
1: yeah,
0: it, it, Boyd is starting to gain a degree of. I mean, he's always been a moral character. So he's never been able to act on his morality because he's been too much of a coward. Mm. But now he's starting to become a bit more willing to act.
1: Yeah. Slightly more forceful.
0: Yeah. And more willing to speak up, at the very least. Mm. Now that he knows that he's, he and other people are in immediate danger.
1: Yes, yeah, down to three of them now, isn't yeah. it, really?
0: So. But it isn't really down to three of them, is it?
1: Well, this is where, again, again the film does something weird and brings back... Uh,
0: Uh, Colonel Hart comes back
1: yes exactly Colonel Hart
0: (laughs) and I feel he he opens the door and he walks in and he's got a big smile on his face and he goes oh hello Boyd
1: yeah he's like the happiest he's the happiest throughout that whole film is at that moment as well
0: well he's pleased to see his
1: pal again because
0: he he, he genuinely likes Boyd
1: but at this point in the film I'm thinking what is going on what is this great well yes I know sometimes but that's the thing it depends on what kind of person you are I suppose as to I know that yeah, it's good not to predict everything, but then you don't want to think, well, anything could happen here now, or maybe you do.
0: Well, anything within reason, because um, Hart explains what happened—that yeah. he, he he thought he was dying and he could he could feel death, and then he woke up and he was having meat shoved into his mouth by Ives, yeah. and by the time he could do something about it, it was already too late. Mm. So it's it's nothing. Unbelievable within the context of the story. I mean, one thing that I find very important in watching movies is I want them to see something that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So, because this movie keeps zigzagging all over the place and coming up with twists on the story and twists on the ideas, it's always something fresh and always something new. Fresh.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, but again, this character changes again. And this is again, this is why. Again, the, the the movie changes again with him. He, yeah, his character is not as reliable as I thought it was.
0: But go no. on. he does say that you know they want to bring Boyd into the into the, into group. the fold. Yeah. Um,
1: By this time, Knox is dead and in the stew. Yeah,
0: Knox, Knox has had his um, uh, head sliced off, and um, as, as Hart says, you know, it, it's lonely being a cannibal. It's hard making friends. <laughs> Mm. Ives takes him out to the, the front gates of the fort and there's the, the, the speech that's the key sort of um, grounding of the whole story and it talks about manifest destiny had you heard that phrase before? No. Well, he, he kind of uh, he does explain it it's the idea that the white man had a moral right to colonise North America that it was their God-given duty to spread civilization to squeeze out Native Americans and civilize this wild land. Yeah. And as this is happening, the the country is stretching out its arms and consuming all it can. Mm. So as spring comes and the trail through the mountains becomes busier, there'll be a lot more people coming through. And there'll be a lot more people for them to recruit. Yes, a lot more to eat. Yeah. And so, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do it randomly or, to, you know, kill everyone who comes along. We don't want to get caught. We'll do it selectively. We don't want to break up families, after all. <laughs> which, either way, is horrible.
1: Mm.
0: And, uh, yes, we'll we'll start with General Slosser. Because uh, it'll be helpful having a senior man in charge. <laughs> and he he tries to persuade Boyd to say, you know, it's it's easy to do this. You know, all you have to do is give in. You don't have to really do anything. Yeah. But Boyd is still holding out, he's still just
1: tense still, and still just
0: through inaction action he's trying to resist. Yes. But Ives force his hand just by pulling out a knife and stabbing him in the gut.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: he hmm Well, you know, there we are here's your choice yeah that'll kill you but you'll live long enough to be able to eat something yep. and as we go through this whole scene it's the music from earlier where he was telling a story mm. so it's it's that repetitive theme that insistent thing over and over and over again pushing the, the his point forward so they settle down in the and com- they watch void in, in the common room yeah uh, uh, like if, as they're done it's, they say ah, stew a la major Knox," <laughs> <laughs> and Ives and uh, Hart are both dressed they're both dressed for dinner yeah I think it's tremendously civilised <laughs> um, uh,
1: because they intend on having a nice little life it's that's the thing they're trying yeah. to make this cannibalism respectable
0: yeah and as, as Hart says now. no isn't this civilised? Yeah. We're sitting down here eating a meal of someone we used to know. <laughs> Did you recognise the actor playing Colonel Hart? Jeffrey Jones?
1: No, I don't.
0: I didn't. Uh, Ferris Good Day Off? Oh, yeah. The principal, in that? Oh, right. Uh, Amadeus? Oh. The Emperor? Quite
1: different uh, roles then.
0: Yes. He was convicted as a child molester. Oh. Uh, so he does not tend to be in things very much anymore.
1: No and he was quite good in this
0: yeah he he's, was he's, he's so hale and hearty and friendly chummy yeah yeah. he's really likeable he's the nicest character in the movie and you feel a bit sad and, oh he's a cannibal now but yeah. he's still really sort of chummy and happy and yeah. cheery and you notice that when we, he he's early, appears earlier on he's got some grey hair and then when he reappears later having eaten human flesh his hair's red because mm. he's got his it's going his, back yeah he's got his virility back
1: do you think that um, Colhoun kept him on purpose to try and entice more people into the fold due to his happy go-lucky ways because he is obviously a much more likable
0: person than Colhoun is himself? Maybe yes. Mm. Someone who um, has more people skills? Perhaps. Exactly. because he'd be more likely to he'd be much more persuasive, I think, than Colhoun, who's clearly nuts. Yes. And Hart, who could sort of jolly people into becoming
1: part of the group yeah. rather than, yeah, rather than another killer.
0: Yes. Mm. Even the, the, there's a little bit the following day where um, Hart's just sort of feeding the chickens, and he's just throwing a seed at them and saying, oh, I'm going, "Run, chickens, run, run for your <laughs> lives!" And he's just and he's already treating it as a joke, but you can see Ives watching him and thinking. Mm, mm. Not too sure about this. Yeah. But as they're they're eating, boy's wound is blood's pouring out of it, and he finally gives in, and he eats the stew. Cut to the following day when he too is fit, and healthy.
1: Yeah.
0: Hair gleaming.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, actually, yeah, that's, that's the, he finally looks smart and Yes, absolutely. Ives goes to the the fence around the camp looks through his, with his binoculars I'm even doing the mime and I can't remember the name of it telescope, telescope. his binoculars yes <laughs> um,
1: and can see them coming he can
0: see, he can see Schlosser and Martha yeah. and several months coming in. he says ah breakfast lunch mm-hmm. and reinforcements and I get that's another Robert Carlyle ad lib oh
1: because
0: originally there was no dialogue there at all but he just oh, thought put my mind line there that's good um, earlier in the movie, when because Hart, uh, Hart has his drawer full of walnuts, yeah, God knows where he gets them from, and there is a there is a gag where he he can't open them, so yeah. he gets one of his big books and just smashes it, yeah. But now he, he picks one up and he just crushes it in his in hand, his hand yeah. And he notes that you know, he doesn't have his books anymore. All his books about morality and civilization, and it's just the same problems that people have always dealt with. Mm. And he's really having just a crisis of confidence. He's too nice to be a cannibal, cannibal, to live this lifestyle.
1: But this is where I got confused, because within a few hours, he has changed his mind. I know that you can have a crisis, you know, about the morality of it, but I just thought he was so happy the evening before doing all of this and, you know, trying to get Boyd to be part of it. And then within a few hours, he's turning to Boyd and just, you know... Crisis, as you say, and not wanting to be part of it. Yeah. I thought that was just too quick.
0: Yeah, you're right. It is It is quite a sudden shift. There, there isn't really any indication before that scene.
1: That it's going to happen, exactly. Yeah. There's no dubious looks or anything. And there
0: should have been, because it feels natural that he would have a problem with it. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's... I thought it's, that was one of the big faults of the end of the movie. It could be that it's
0: a... Result of the rewrites that they're yeah. doing on the fly, and that's just something that fell through the cracks. But it is an oversight, and that's a shame. But he says, tells Boy that he'll set him free, and that he can act against Ives, but he has to kill him first. He has to kill, and he wants to. Ki- he wants to, Ives be to killed. kill himself yeah, first. Yeah. And he does. He uses his letter opener. Mm. And Cuts his throat, and Ives sees this through the window, sees the blood spattering against the glass, mm. which is a nice, gruesome Italian horror movie <laughs> type detail. And it moved, then the movie moves into the final confrontation uh, apparently, the longest piece of music that Damon Albarn has ever written. Really? So he claims the, yeah, the, the final track of music is 10 minutes. Oh, wow. As Boyd and uh, Ives.
1: Confront, fight
0: it out and fight it out in the camp. Originally, it was going to be much more of a um, an epic battle that the that the camp would catch fire and they'd be fighting on the roof
1: right. as
0: the, the the whole place starts burning down. Mm. But they just didn't have the resources to do it. They're running oh. out of money. They're running out of time. They're running out of fake blood. <laughs> so almost all of it was being improvised as they were shooting it, right. including the as, it Ives. Cross. blood cross on his forehead they fight with pitchforks with knives with hatchets so that because of they've then have have this power they could just withstand huge amounts of injury so it becomes almost slapstick almost becomes like it does. a cartoon yeah. or a Tom and Jerry
1: mm. and that's why I think actually a burning fire would actually not have done it as well I think it it's more funny than doing it the way they did it
0: because you can see yeah. why it's different. Yeah. Mm, I agree.
1: Because if it was fire, that sounds a bit more like Bondish, you know, a bit more.
0: I don't know. It's, a bit more sort of generic. Yeah, exactly. Fit, fitting into sort of standard yeah. storytelling rules. Yeah. Whereas here it's, it feels it's. This This is how this story works specifically. Mm. But uh, Boyd hides back in the statement and finds that they have a huge bear trap. Yes. Just, I think he saw it there sometime. Earlier, it's, Chekhov, it's Chekhov's bear trap. Huh? Uh, you've heard the theory of Chekhov's gun. Anton Chekhov, the playwright, said that if you fire a gun in Act Two of a play, you have to introduce the gun in Act One.
1: Okay.
0: So it's just a simple setup payoff. Rule. Yeah. So they set up that they have a bear trap.
1: So that they can use so it. So that they
0: can use it, and very just—it's done very simply with. Ives crashing into the stable, Boyd grabs him and they both fall onto the bear trap. Yeah. And Boyd forces Ives' head onto the trigger plate mm. and it snaps shut, trapping them together.
1: Yeah. And it's Boyd's way of being strong enough and with his convictions to kill himself yeah. and kill
0: the by, evil. By, by, ending the, by ending the line yes. there and taking that action and be, having the courage to take his own life. Because he was so scared of death before, yeah. that he he pretended to be dead and was a coward and deserted his comrades. That he ate someone else's dead body. Mm. He was because he was so terrified. But now he knows that there's no way out of this, so he he makes that sacrifice.
1: And that's where the slightly homoerotic of them both lying and on they, top uh, of like each to other and, and, and trapped together, trapped in each together. Arms. Yeah,
0: and. Ives says, if you die first, I am definitely going to eat you. Yeah. But if I die first, are you going to eat me? Mm. And his last words are, bon appétit. <laughs> so silly. I know, it's, it, it is, but it just fits that he's... Because he has that sense of humour. Because yeah. he's not just so totally evil and wicked. He does actually have a sense of humour. It It works. And Slosson arrives, and the whole place is completely deserted. because everybody's what well, he's dead. So he's looking around, and he finds the common room, and he finds the cooking. So oh, there's some stew that's on the go. <laughs> no, no. So it takes, it has a nice it takes little.
1: has
0: a, mm. mm. a bit of a taste.
1: And loves it. And loves it. Has it. a lo- second taste, I think, as yeah. well.
0: So Colvin and Boyd both die, but Martha finds them, and Martha. Takes a very sensible decision to turn around and walk away. Walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And the final shot of the movie originally was going to. It, it looks down on Boyd and Ives trapped in the, the trap together. Mm. And it just lifts up into the rafters and fades up. But originally it was going to lift up right through the ceiling of the stable, right up on the sky to the incredible landscape of the mountains. Hmm. with the sun rising in the distance and that was going to be the end of the movie but they just didn't have the The money to do it
1: oh okay Uh, yeah if the ending was poignant enough
0: I think it's a really great movie it's it takes a, a very what could have been a very dull um rote horror story and it gives it some original ideas, it has that great mood it has the fantastic music it's genuinely really funny in places and it has all these interesting subtextual things like the, the whole political stuff about the expansion of America and going back to Antonia Wood, because all her stories are about predatory people
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the homeless environments in care homes in particular in the Catholic Church and this is just an extension of that it's literally people preying on each other, yes, for, for food rather than emotionally, so it fits with that, and I think maybe it's that that really appealed to her,
1: possibly maybe she just wanted something very different to do as well you know, there's always the...
0: yeah, and she was uh, she was doing a favor for a friend, yeah there's one there's one or two other details uh Janus, the one of the people in the wagon train is actually played by the film's producer ah um.
1: Again, a sign of short of money.
0: Well, he was actually a former actor oh. as David Heyman, who is now perhaps better known as the guy who picked up perhaps, the Harry Potter novels.
1: Oh, gosh. Very rich man then. Yeah,
0: he's done very well. He's also a producer of Gravity. OK. So he's clearly got a bit of a golden touch. Yeah. But, yeah, he's thought, yeah, he'll be in the movie show.
1: Mm-hm. <laughs>
0: When it came out in America, it was, uh, I think, April 99. Did you see any of the trailers for it? No. You were looking at?
1: I was only 11.
0: Well, I thought in your researches you might have looked at it. Oh, me. no, I didn't. Oh, OK. Sorry, no, I did No, didn't. that's fine. But the trailer is terrible, and it makes it look like a generic slasher movie. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's making it look too ordinary. It's not selling the fact that it's a smart film and that it's funny and that it's weird.
1: Mass audiences though, they're probably just trying to get numbers in and there will be a market for just slasher horror movies.
0: Yeah. Why promote your movie as being more of the same when you could promote it as being something interesting and different? Yeah. And you might get a completely different audience for it that would be interested in seeing something like that rather than appealing to the overcrowded teenage horror movie yeah, yeah
1: though I think it's a very difficult thing to convey because there was so many twists there was so many turns it's very difficult to put into a trailer yeah the, that character into that
0: you know well you, would, well you might not want to no I mean I would try and avoid putting in anything of odds at all mm. to preserve that twist
1: yes exactly
0: but there's still a lot you could do you play out the fact oh yeah, it's got all these big name actors and it's got yeah. this scenery and the humour
1: yeah. They're, they just didn't.
0: They just again. That might
1: have been an afterthought trailer. That's already an afterthought, isn't it? You know, if it's something that's lacking money, lacking,
0: lacking resource, resources, resources, then lacking enthusiasm. I mean, this was Antonia Bird's last. Uh, I think it was her last film. She uh, went back to television in the UK. Mm. Uh, had quite a few successes, and uh, sadly died of cancer a few years ago. Yeah. Something of an overlooked career, I think, mm. given that she was very much a, a, a crusading filmmaker.
1: Yeah, and not many well known female directors.
0: No, I should say, I didn't choose to pair this film with you because you're a woman. Okay. But I did think that it was about time that this stopped being a minority show, and we actually had a representative of the 52% of the population that is female. Indeed, thank
1: sure. you. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. The other film that we talked about I think will also will demonstrate that I do choose these at random a lot of the time Yes, <laughs> so it's a bit of a cliffhanger ending for you listener um, <laughs> so um, have you changed your opinion of Ravenous through this conversation
1: a little bit yeah I, I can see a few different aspects so the Christian or the you know, religious aspect is something that I hadn't really co- considered I hadn't really thought about um it's quite nice to listen to the bits knowing that some parts are improvised. I think that does make a difference to how you view the film. Yeah. Um it really does. Um I would continue to think uh, it's a very different film. It's not what you expect to watch and so there are good bits about it and it was very entertaining. And um, I didn't feel bored Oh, that, time. that's always good So that's always a good thing, yeah. yeah It's easy
0: to get bored watching a bad movie
1: Oh no, and I didn't feel bored throughout that whole film And I did want to watch the end of it But there were times when I was just puzzled And um, maybe that's because it doesn't happen very often I was a bit a bit shocked at thinking What is happening now? I don't get this
0: Is it because maybe you're used to Mainstream movies being much more schematic Probably. Because, and something I've mentioned before, I've had to draw diagrams for people to explain the plot of Inception because well, they're just not used to seeing big movies that are that complicated and that demand that level of
1: thinking, intellectual
0: engagement. Yeah. And it's not thick people either. It's, you know... most no, people no, Most no. people I know are a lot cleverer than me. Yeah. It's just that I'm used to paying attention. So yeah. So it's, it's not so much of a stretch for me.
1: I know, I, I agree. It's probably because it is much more out there there are lots of twists that you're not expecting and don't net the twists some of the twists don't actually change the plot but are change your perception of the character for example right so I but I, I thought it, I thought overall entertaining interesting and at times funny but I think not everyone's cup of tea
0: right so that's a definite must rent
1: yes but I wouldn't it would not I would be worried about recommending this film to some people.
0: Oh don't worry about that, I'll do that.
1: Okay. I would only because there is only I know there are some people who'd love it, and I'm sure there are lots of people out there who wouldn't.
0: Thanks to Amy for making the time for this recording. Cinema Limbo is now on iTunes with twenty episodes available, so please subscribe, download and review before they can catch you. And until next time remember eat to live don't live to eat. Hmm? Goodbye. You have been listening to Cinema Limbo, hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips, edited by Martin Fenton, with music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcast Network. Come and visit us at www.podnose.com. Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com.